Welcome into the latest edition of the Chase and Mace podcast. I'm your host, Mason Me, and that's Chase Baxa. We're just two g- good friends met at a random school that no one's ever heard of, and this is the latest in soccer news. And Chase, we had a wild midweek this week. We had some Champions League games that were very entertaining, and a lot of Premier League action too. So first, let's start off with the Champions League games. What do you got for us? Champions League. Champions League was pretty entertaining this week. Uh, Mace, you actually got a pretty good away result with your Man U versus Atletico. It comes one-to-one with an Alanga goal in the 80th minute on his first touch of the game. Tell me a little bit about that because that was wild. It was it was a weird situation because the ball was played long and Alanga like, didn't even – he did like a little body feint to get by the defender and he saw um, – Jan Oblak off his line just it looked like a miss hit to be honest on his shot and he just slotted it home in the bottom left corner it was beautiful to see when Atletico was playing bully ball the entire game yeah nine yellows that is the definition of bully ball I mean nine yellows in the entire game but Atletico with the majority of those and yeah it looked like a painful game for Manchester United they looked like they were just getting tossed off the ball left and right uh, clean tackles and a lot of not clean tackles led to a pretty entertaining entertaining game to watch. I'm with you there. 37 fouls in total from both teams. And uh, there were just two or three instances, instances in the first and even second halves where I could have seen a player or two going off, specifically with uh, Marcos Llorente. Uh, yeah, there were just a few fouls he did that were just clear, at least to me, clear-cut yellows. And he should have gotten multiple and sent off. But Joao Felix, oh, what a, what a great header. Holy cow. And he made it look so effortless. Like, yeah, he did sort of dive there at the end, uh, but he he hit that ball in stride and it goes off the near post and into the opposite side netting. Like that is such a difficult feat to to even accomplish because he was on the other side of that post. He was not lined up or inside the goal. So getting that header to go on the inside of that post and then to go into the net, that's very impressive. Very, very good good goal and very good ball uh, for him to run onto. But do you think Big H could have done a little bit better on that one? Yeah, I, I was talking about this with you beforehand. I still think that Big H should not have let Joao Felix get in front of him right away. At least, you know, hit him, do something, get your body on him so he get, it's not an easy header through. Yeah, he really just walked into the 18 and headed that thing home. Uh, beautiful, beautiful goal, though, taking nothing from that. But your Manchester United, they started in a three-five-two. We haven't seen that in a little bit. It was it was very surprising. Uh, Lindelof started off the game with Varane and Big H, uh, Luke Shaw, and it looked like Rashford were playing those wingback positions. And it was just it was very strange to see. Uh, usually, when they do the wingback stuff, you have Juan Bissaka and Shaw on the outside, but not Rashford. Uh, Rashford just gives so much going forward. It was just very surprising to see. Yeah, I definitely would not expect Rashford in a wing-back position. I thought if they were going to play a 3-5-2 with Ronaldo and Rashford on the same field, I would expect those two, those uh, those front two, to be Ronaldo and Rashford. Yeah, I'm with you there. The, the, one, uh, the one striker I would love to see with Rashford also is Cavani. Just his, uh, I've been pounding my head against the wall for weeks about this guy, but he, his off-ball movement is fantastic, and that allows Rashford to just take over the game. Uh, but Lindelof... When he played at that right center back position, and then when they switched to a four back, switched to a right back, he played really well for, you know, being a normal center back. Yeah, I thought he played very well, uh, not getting bullied too, too much by that Atletico team. 
And honestly, him being subbed out for Juan Basaka later in that game, to me, was sort of a waste of a sub just because, yeah, you do want to put on those fresh legs and get that insurance policy after you've scored your 80th minute winner. Uh, But I don't think it was sort of necessary at that point. Uh, Lindelof playing a very solid game in our eyes. Yeah, he did play really well. And another player that clearly has been listening to our podcast was Bruno Fernandez. I thought he played an exceptionally well game and he was finding the right passes. You know, the first half, Manu did not play particularly well. But once the second half started, he really turned it on and gave us a lot of chances going forward. Yeah, I thought Bruno played way, way better this game. Again, obviously watches the podcast. Heard me bashing on him for like 20 minutes two days ago. Um, So, yeah, I thought he played very well. Um, But we were talking earlier, those big three with Bruno, Pogba, and Ronaldo, it seems like we can only get one of them to play well, while the other two just seem to take the day off. And I think Ronaldo, honestly, in my eyes, if Cavani was healthy, I would have subbed out Ronaldo in the first five minutes. He was playing that poor. Yeah, Ronaldo was not playing well. And I know you highlighted this before, but that one free kick he had. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. I Again, I said, I think three times this season, I've seen Ronaldo take a free kick. And then the announcer immediately afterwards say, wow. That was poor from Ronaldo or something along those lines where it's like, we don't expect that from a talent such as him, something like that. And you don't expect that to come from a player like Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, I don't think I see announcers saying that about Messi or Neymar or Lewandowski. Like, I think he is really dipping down this season. And I think he really needs to pick it up if he wants to sort of retain his legacy right now. I'm with you there. I feel like when he was a lot younger, he would take his free kicks with so much power, so much force behind it. And now, you know, 37 years old, he's not going to get that same power that he does in his legs. It was also really surprising because Bruno is significantly more accurate and along with Alex Tellis too, um, both one righty, one lefty. And I feel like even if Alex Tellis took that free kick, you know, the ball's dipping away from uh, Jan Oblak. I feel like I had a much better chance because they can get the ball up and down very quickly. Oh, for sure. And we know Bruno is amazing at those free kicks. What, last year he had how many goals? Like 12 goals, and nine of them came from a dead ball. A lot of those coming from uh, penalty kicks. But some of those coming from free kicks as well, probably three or four of them. Um, So very, very talented from a dead ball position. And, like, again, Ronaldo not putting out where, uh, where he used to. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Even though Bruno may not score all of them, he still gives his teammates a chance, too, by, you know, having a ricochet off the keeper, hits off the post, something like that. I was going to say not skying the ball 20 yards off the post. When Ronaldo, when Ronaldo gets, on the, gets on the kick, he just goes for straight power, and it's either going to be on frame or just out of the stadium. It's crazy. I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't really know what he's doing right now. Um Wish he was playing better because he is a lot of kids' idols. He's a lot of people's idols in general. And for him to not be playing well is sort of a disappointment to see. You know, he's leading Manchester United in terms of goals. I believe he has nine in the Premier League this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he could he could probably have seven or eight more at least. I feel like every single week <laughs> after a Man U game where you bash me for them tying or something, uh, <laughs> he has seven shots. Three of them could easily be goals. I fully agree. Uh, what was that game that they tied against? Who was it? Southampton? 
there was those two or three opportunities where I called him out where I said he was 1v1 or with one defender in front of him and completely wasted an opportunity on net. Um, and he, he's been doing this week in and week out. It just needs to be a higher level of performance from him. And maybe we're holding him, him, him to a like maybe a higher standard than the other players. But it's Cristiano Ronaldo. I feel like he needs to be held to that higher standard. We can't just look at him like another player because he hasn't been in just another player his entire career. I, I'm with you. I feel like since we have, since he is the player that he is and with the team around him, we should be able to hold him to a higher standard. And I don't think it's unreasonable for us to expect for every three chances that are created to him, he should put at least one away. I fully agree. Uh, I think there was one moment during the Atletico game where I saw him, Bruno was out to his right, uh, calling for the ball. Hands were in the air. He's calling for the ball. And Ronaldo decided to take a shot from like 35 yards out. And all it did was roll wide. And it rolled. It wasn't even close to the post. It was like 20 yards wide. And I just sort of sat there looking at it like, why why would he think to do that? Like, And the only thing that I can think of is he's just trying to do too much. And you've said this before, that, he is trying to carry this team back to greatness. And that's just not in his capabilities at this point. He's trying to carry this team back and they don't need to be carried. They have really good players, you know, Rashford, Bruno, Elanga, the the goal scorer. Um, I feel like Matic, when he came in, also played really well. Luke Shaw, Rafael Varane, De Gea has been carrying this defense, but it doesn't need to be the Ronaldo show. I feel like there's a good enough supporting cast. You know, we we joked about this earlier with Galacticos 2.0, but, you know, we have so much talent on this roster. I just don't understand why Ronaldo needs to be the goal scorer. I agree, man. I don't know. I don't know when this fix will come. I don't know if this is Ragnarok speaking into Cristiano's ear where it's like, hey, you are our, our guy. You are our, our goal scorer. Um, and maybe it's coming from management, but from the outside looking in, it looks like this is all in Ronaldo's head at the moment. And he's the, he's, I believe he's like the fourth or fifth striker in the last seven or eight years where we've bought a striker that's over 30. Because think about it, we've had Zlatan, we've had um, Cavani come in. He was a great signing. Um, but we just haven't had that consistency at striker since, you know, Martial's first breakout season in, what was it, 14-15 or 15-16? One of those years. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird to see. It is. That's uh that's two Manchester teams right now that are looking for a solid number nine right now. That's that's pretty rare. I feel like I feel like in the past decade, couple couple years, both Manchester Manchester teams have had a very very strong number nine or just a very strong attacking presence in general. I'm with you there. City obviously had the incredible Sergio Aguero. And Man U for a long time had Wayne Rooney. And when Sir Alex Ferguson was here with um, David Gill, he would make it a point to not purchase a player over the age of 27. So that way they can lengthen their career, their stay at Manchester United. And the only like one or two exceptions of that rule was Robin Van Persie when they brought him in for the 2012-2013 season from Arsenal. But since then, oh my goodness, the Glazers. Since then... Manchester United has almost been the place where players went to end their careers or uh, for a while there. I think I was even saying Man U is where players go for their careers to die because 
we had you guys were just buying so many older players for them to go and do absolutely nothing, and then you get rid of them when they've only scored maybe one or two goals. Don't even get me started on Ramadel Falcao here. I don't want to. <laughs> Ugh, Falcao was the perfect, um, perfect, uh, just example for literally what you just said. And it's just, it just shocks me that um, Ed Woodward and the Glazers spent all this money on all this talent. I believe it was specifically for the marketing campaign to get the brand more, no, no more notice, sell more, sell more shirts, sell more tickets. You know, that's why I believe they bought Pogba, why they bought back Ronaldo, why they buy all these big name players. But it just has not worked. The team is not as good. It's just awful. Yeah, at the end of the day, you need to win soccer games, right? So it doesn't matter how many tickets you sell. It doesn't matter how many jerseys you sell. At the end of the day, if you're in 10th place, people don't want to come and watch you. You, you want to be in those top four, top five spots consistently and winning against the teams that you should be winning against and at least holding your own against some really good teams like our Man City and Liverpool teams. I'm with you. And Ralph Ragnick says our goal should be the top four. And it just stings me as a Manchester United fan to hear that because you want to win the title. Every single team in England wants to win the title. But, you know, some lesser teams, some, you know, not high-profile teams, they they can't do it because, you know, the Giants of England, of City, Liverpool – it's just hard to get up there. But United, for Ralph Ragnick to say our goal is top four, that's awful to hear. Yeah, you know, for like a Burnley team or like a, a almost a West Ham for a while, an Austin Villa, uh, Southampton, Leeds, Wolves, some of those teams you can say, all right, we're really searching for that top four spot. We're really searching for that Champions League soccer spot. Uh, but a Manchester United team, Year in and year out, they should be searching for that title. Uh, with the history that they have, with the personnel that they have, there's no reason that they're only searching for a top four spot. They should be searching for that title every single time they go out on that field. I completely agree, and I, I feel like they are one or two decisions away from making that happen, but maybe not this season. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen this season, especially, and here's a, a great segue to our Premier League Um especially with Arsenal right now. I mean, Arsenal is scaring Manchester United fans. Yeah, they are. They just won their game yeah, yesterday. Or no, it was today, excuse me. Yeah, today against Wolves. Yeah, they won that game 2-1. Alexander Lacazette scoring in the 90th plus 5. And Chase, Arsenal played exceedingly well today. Oh my goodness, did they play well. They were combining. They had runs through consistently. Uh, the only place where I think they were lacking was in the defensive and goalkeeping, honestly. Uh, Their goalkeeper gave Wolves their one goal. Uh, He, well, I can't say it was the goalkeeper in general, uh, but the Arsenal center back, I can't remember who it was, because I don't think it was, oh, I can't remember. It was uh, Gabriel. It was Gabriel. He tries to pass it back with, like, the outside of his right foot all the way back to Ramsdale, and it just didn't get there. Like, the ball didn't even get close. It was it probably would have stopped five yards short of the Arsenal goalkeeper. And uh, who was it? Um, man, now I can't even think of, think of names. But the Wolves player just ran straight by him, grabbed the ball, and put it in the back of the net. Like, yeah. it was the easiest goal that they could have given up against Wolves. And they did really, really well to fight back and win that game. And that Lacazette goal was amazing. And the energy that you felt after that goal, Lacazette, lost his mind he absolutely lost his mind 
And for fair reason, I mean, scoring a goal in the 95th minute to win the game, to put your team in fifth place with two games in hand, only three points off of third place, I'd lose my mind too. I I absolutely would. I feel like there's so many instances, excuse me, you, you and me specifically going crazy with penalty kicks, you and me going crazy with overtime goals in our college days. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Arsenal, I thought, played exceedingly well. Um, that Lacazette goal, it was really weird because it looked like it took three or four different deflections and finally ended up in the back of the net. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Bounced off a couple people before it ended up back there. But it doesn't have to be pretty. just has to get in there. But the lead-up to that goal is what I think actually looked very nice and uh, it was pretty nice to watch. The soccer that Arsenal was producing was very, I'd say, smooth, confident, and they did not look like they were down for most of the game. They looked like they had control of that game most of it. They definitely did. And Wolves are still a un- super underrated team. They play exceedingly well against everybody. Uh, Connor Cody and Saiz at the back have been solid all year. Of course, we always talk about Ruben Neves. There's not much else to speak out there. But yeah. He did miss a pretty easy opportunity today, though. Uh, he did beat the last defender, and all he had was was Ramsdale, and he tried to slot it into that back corner just as Alanga did, uh, but ended up missing the target and could have tied that game or maybe at that point put that game away, uh, but missing his opportunity. You don't usually miss those opportunities. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Wolves did have those two clear-cut chances with Huang Hee Chan scoring that goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, I agree. The game could have been over within the first 15 minutes of the game had Nevis scored that other goal. Yeah, but it is what it is. How, that's how soccer goes sometimes. And I agree that our, that Wolves is an underrated team. Uh, but this is the second game in a row that, yeah, they've they've stayed in the game and they did end up beating Leicester. But we even said uh, the game against Leicester, they didn't deserve to win. They didn't have control at all for that entire game. Uh, for them to pull that out was very surprising. And for them to keep the lead against Arsenal for as long as they did was also very surprising. I did not expect them... Uh, with how Arsenal was playing, I really did not expect them to win that game. And it was the same with Leicester. I didn't expect them to win that game at all because Leicester controlled the entire possession. I mean, and Arsenal did the same thing today. So, yeah, I do agree. Wolves is, is an underrated team, and they can stick with the big dogs at times. Uh, but definitely needs some work uh, just to keep that possession percentage a little bit higher. So then what would you recommend they would try to do? Do you think they need another winger? Do you think they need to switch to a back four? What do you think? Definitely think they need to switch to a back four. It looks like they just get cut up way too easily uh, back in that back third. And it doesn't always lead to clear-cut chances, uh, but those, those players back there seem to get caught out of position quite often, and their midfield doesn't seem to help very much. And I think that's what Arsenal was doing this entire game was catching that center center mid or center back out of position and then sliding a guy behind him. And that person was Lacazette in the final couple minutes. And obviously coming back to bite, and, bite, bite Wolves in the butt for that one. I'm with you. Uh, Lacazette and Saka, again, just playing fantastic. But Semedo really did get hurt in the second half of that game, which was really hard to see. Yeah, that was terrible. Um, a lot of players – very, very upset for him. But then at the same time, I'm pretty sure Neves was just losing his mind at that point. Uh, he was yelling at the referee, got a yellow card 
for his uh, descent. And I don't know. It was a really bad tackle, and it was – I mean, I, you hate to see a player get injured at any time of the game. But those Wolves players really did not respect that at all, if, if I'm going to be honest. No, they really didn't. Uh, they went right after the referee, wanted him, wanted the player to uh, tackle them to get, a, to get a card, but just never happened. Yeah, uh, very weird. A lot of complaining to the referee, and it was a very chippy game in general. There was a lot of hard tackles. And the fans were really into this game, so I think it just made made it go over the top. Uh, so when those fans get into that game and start screaming at players, start screaming at the referee, uh, things can get a little chippy, and that's exactly what happened in the second half of this Arsenal-Wolves game. Do you want to hear something crazy about this game in terms of stats? Definitely. All right, so Wolves had 21 tackles in the game with only nine fouls. Wow. That is very surprising, honestly. Arsenal had 11 tackles, and eight fouls called on him. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> makes 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 a lot of sense. But let's talk about – let's move on a little bit and let's go into a really, really surprising game, but a game that we really highlighted uh, on Tuesday, and that was the Burnley and Spurs game. You know, I was very surprised by the outcome of this game, but at the same time, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, Burnley coming off of a 3 nothing win against Brighton, so they have the – that momentum, but you, we would think that Tottenham should just come into this game with the highest amount of mo- motivation and momentum that you could even think of beating Man City at the Etihad in the, like, the 94th minute. Like, how do you not have all the energy in the world to come out and beat a Burnley team? Burnley winning this game one nothing off of a, a goal from Ben Mee. So, I mean, must, that- must be in the last name. Has to be. Has to be. Another way. <laughs> Absolutely. And just throughout that game, it was very interesting. I know Conte is a very, you know, counterattacking coach, but it looked like they were so out of sync when they had possession. Like, yes, they had their chances, but there's always those portions of the game that just the the possession kind of swings a little bit. Like there's a time of there's a there's a period of the game where one team just gets on the ball. Whatever you do, it's not good enough. They just stay on the ball. It you know flows in and out like obviously when City have the ball, City has it you know left right pass pass pass. But like there's always like a 10, 15 minute period where Spurs can get on the ball, and I feel like that's what happened in this game. But Spurs got all out of whack, and you know Kane's header off the crossbar that could have changed the game. Kulusevski could have probably scored again, but Burnley, whew, resolute defense. Nick Pope, well done. Nick Pope coming through once again. Uh, and yeah, Tottenham just going straight back to where they left off with those scoring problems. I mean, they've they've been dealing with them all season, right? They uh, they cannot score in these big games when they matter. And we wouldn't even think, excuse me, that this one was going to be a big game. Uh, we've been saying each time that a big team comes against Burnley, we're like, oh, it should be a 4 nothing win for this team or it should be a resting game for the other team. But each time a team has come against Burnley this season, it is a battle. I mean, again, Liverpool, go back to that. Liverpool only beat them one nothing. Man, you tied them 1-1. Exactly. This Burnley team is nothing to mess with. And let me just point out once again that, what are they? Are they in 18th or 19th now? But they are still in the relegation zone. And that's crazy. With that win, they are in 18th place with 20 points, a minus eight goal differential. But 
they're they're two points back from Newcastle with a game in hand. They're two points back from Everton, and they're even in terms of games. But they could still climb out of this hole. They definitely can, and I hope they do. I would love to see this Burnley team just rise the ranks year after year. Uh, they're an exciting team to watch, and they are a fun team to watch. I love watching this Burnley team play. Uh, they might be my new Brentford. I've been focusing on Brentford a lot this season, and uh, maybe I'll switch over to Burnley next season. I think Burnley, yeah, Burnley's definitely a wild card in terms of uh, just our games at the end of this segment. Uh, but yeah, they're going to be fun to watch for the rest of this year. Nick Pope, obviously going to keep them in 95% of the games they play, but they just need a striker, man. They just need a striker. They're right yeah. there. They get a solid number nine, and this team becomes very, very dangerous, honestly. and could be up in that top, like, seven, eight, uh, maybe even the six uh, marker. And we haven't seen Burnley up there for quite a while. It's been a very long time since we've seen them in the top half of the table. Love to see it, though. I would absolutely love to see that next season. Now let's go into a, uh, a really surprising game, at least to me, where Liverpool just barely, barely squeaks by Leeds in a 6 nothing contest. Yeah, this game real tight for most of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Liverpool, Liverpool, there, was no, there was no question this game. The entire game, I think Liverpool had complete control over it. Uh, Mo Salah having two goals, Mane having two goals, Matip having an absolute I can't even explain it. Like this man made a run from his own back half. Like he's probably halfway through the half makes two beautiful passes. uh, One with the outside of the foot, one, one with the inside of the foot. And he's making these runs just like a striker would make. And then finishing the ball better than anything I've seen Ronaldo do this season. So like, Unbelievable from him, and then Big Verge finishing it out in like the 92nd minute with a header. Uh, he, he was just free in the 18. Can't really say anything about that. Uh, Salah having two penalty kicks, so again, can't say too much about that. But Salah is only six goals away from uh, the Liverpool scoring record right now. Is he really? Wow. Yeah, he is very close. Jeez. Uh, yeah, Liverpool, is there anything more we need to say about Liverpool? They smack leads upside the head. Um, the one thing I will say, though, about Liverpool is that their passing style really exposed Leeds' high press. And I feel like the same thing happened in the Man U Atletico game that I did not highlight. But, yeah, the best way to beat a high press is to just have quick, simple passes and incredible off-ball movement. And that's literally what Liverpool did for this entire game. I thought, you know, Andy Robertson and Trent, of course, two best fullbacks in England right now. Uh, they played ex- extremely well, just getting up the flanks. Um, Tiago, he, I thought he had a pretty good game. Could have been a lot better, but I was really surprised that Mane started at striker instead of Luis Diaz. Yeah, we have been leaning on that Luis Diaz for the striker right now, uh, but Mane has just been a goal-scoring machine, so I think you have to put him in that striker position just keep feeding him balls and obviously it's working because he scored two this this game and he scored an absolute beauty of a bicycle kick last week against Norwich Um, crazy stuff and Leeds is not feeling too well recently I mean two days ago uh, we talk about how they lost a man U four to two and then we got to to yesterday and they lose six nothing to Liverpool that's a rough week right there. I mean, that's a hard week coming in and playing Manchester United and Liverpool in the same week. But 
I don't know. Those results are not really what we expected from a, a decent lead side that I guess has just been really struggling this season. We haven't had too many good things to say about this team. They really have. They were really surprising underdogs last year when they finished. I think you know, at least it was in the top half, but they were they this season they just really cooled off. I feel like people have finally started to see Marcelo Bielsa's flaws in that high pressing murder ball system where, like I said before, once you start to pass on them, you get by them, they get tired really quick. Um, and yeah, that this can happen. Uh, Leeds also have to play Spurs and Leicester coming up. Two teams that have really not been in the best of form. Obviously, Spurs just lost to Burnley. We highlighted that before. But, you know, after the Man City game, are they? do you think Spurs are just too high after that City game? Yeah, I think, again, even us, we get confident when speaking about Burnley. Uh, because you don't think of Burnley as a, a huge contender. Uh, and we did say last week when they had that 3 nothing win, or two days ago when they had that 3 nothing win against Brighton, we did say that result was not very surprising. We expected Burnley to have a very good game sooner or later. But this is two wins in a row for them. And how many wins do they have on the season? Three? Yep, three. So, like, to have two in a row is pretty impressive. And I think Tottenham just came in, uh, heads held very, very high, and just did not expect this Burnley team to be as difficult as they were. And that's exactly what Liverpool did as well. Liverpool came into that Burnley game uh, looking forward, uh, looking to the next game, which was against Inter Milan at the moment. And... Burnley surprised them, and I think that's exactly what ha- happened to Tottenham. Tottenham was looking towards that next game. They were looking towards uh, whatever whatever game they have next. But I don't think they f- were fully focused on Burnley, and uh, that came back to bite them. It, it really did. And now let's go let's go back to Liverpool for a second, so we could talk about this Carabao Cup final that we have going on Sunday against Chelsea. Oh, very very exciting. Uh, I did read something today that. The last time Liverpool was in this final, we did go on to win the Champions League. So the last time we were in this final, we won it. And I think it was 2001. Maybe. Let me think about that. Um, but I'm pretty sure. I'm going to look it up as well. Pretty sure we won either the league or the Champions League that year. Interesting. So, obviously, Chelsea are coming in. Uh, they just beat Lille 2-0 in the, the latest game of the Champions League. Um, I believe it was Kai Havertz and Christian Pulisic coming in to score. Uh, Kai Havertz has been playing unreal at striker for, for right now. Lukaku and Werner, both high-profile, high high-price players who are just sitting on the bench right now for Chelsea. And, uh, Chase, what do you think about having those two players on the bench? I think they deserve to be sitting on the bench at the moment. Uh, Werner, I mean, since he's been at Chelsea, has not been in form. Uh, and it sucks to say because everyone loved watching him in the in the Bundesliga. Uh, but as soon as he came over to Chelsea, I don't know what happened. His confidence fell, and he just has not found it back. Uh, Tuchel has said that he is going to con- continue to give him chances and continue to get him on the field so he can get his confidence back. But even he said that is very difficult to get back as a player. Uh, it's very hard. It's very, it's a very long process if you've been out of the game for a little bit, as as Werner has. I mean, he has not scored very many big game moments, uh, and when he has, they're few and far in between. So I think he deserves it. And then Lukaku, uh, we talked about it two days ago, or was it before? I think it was two days ago. Seven touches, 
seven in 90 minutes. Seven. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> – I can't get that out of my head. Uh, yeah, you should definitely sit the game after you touch the ball seven times after demanding a $70 million price tag. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, it was really su- just surprising to me, though, because – it seems like they brought in a German coach to help this German striker out. The two German strikers they brought in when Frank Lampard was there in Kai Havertz and Werner, but only one has really been responding. Uh, Pulisic obviously has been, you know, starting to get a lot more confident with his game. Clearly he just scored this past weekend, but uh, there's still a lot of wing competition with Ziyech in the side. Mason Mount can play wing. Uh, Havertz can play wing, but he's playing striker right now. So there's a lot of a lot of contention at Chelsea. So maybe I, I would agree though. Lukaku needs to be better. Like it's just not not good enough. Seven touches, six real big touches, because one of them was just the kickoff. But yeah, Werner, I Werner can't finish a meal, let alone a goal. It's just awful to see. Exactly, it's crazy. And going back to uh, what I was saying before. Um, is the last time that we were in this final and won it, which is again was in was in two thousand and one. Uh, we went to the finals and we came in second of uh, of the Premier League, so we were in a very good spot at that moment. Hopefully, so, but I've been. Hopefully, huh? you guys don't get uh, second place again. Oh, I would I would pray that we don't. <laughs> but what they're saying is is basically that this final means that Liverpool might be able to step up and sort of push it in those other three or four trophy areas. I mean, I have written here, it's Chelsea versus Liverpool on Sunday, and this could lead to four titles, right? We could lead to uh, a league cup and then going into the Champions League and into the FA Cup and then ultimately to the Premier League uh, treble. I mean, that'd be crazy (laughs) having all four, Uh, but we're in a position to win all four. I mean, obviously it's pretty early in the Champions League. We're only in the round of 16. So, not too much to speak of there, but Man City dropping points. Love to see that. <laughs> so we're in, we're in a position there that we could step up and maybe take over first place there if we keep on winning and with a six nothing win against Leeds. That's pretty convincing. That's a pretty good step forward. Uh, maybe just pretty good, not not great, but uh, just pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And then again, the Champions League. We just beat uh, Inter which is great. I mean, that's a, it's a great result to bring back to Anfield and then FA cup. I mean, we're still in the FA cup. We're still grinding away in the FA cup. So we're in a pretty good position to be able to win a couple, a couple trophies in this year, which would be beautiful to see, especially because this is the first year in three years that there hasn't been sort of a little asterisk or asterisk beside these titles because of all the COVID stuff. Uh, This is the first year that, Everything feels very legit, and I'm very excited to see Liverpool in a position to win so many titles in such little time. Hopefully, we don't drop any of them and can just keep this motivation and momentum going the entire season. You know, Liverpool have been one of the most fascinating teams to watch just because they play so well together. They play as a team. Klopp, obviously, the fucking man. He's so unbelievable. Uh, But yeah, I'm with you. This week. Holy cow. I, <laughs> I saw so many posts. I saw so many just analysis of how Klopp was acting this weekend. I mean, this 6 nothing win, he was freaking out at every single goal. Usually when you get to that fourth, fifth, sixth goal, 
uh, that's when managers and that's when players sort of start to be like, okay, we're, we're sort of killing this team. Let's relax a little bit, not rub it in too much. But no, Klopp was down the sidelines, pumping his fists, screaming to the crowd every single goal. And then after the game, he goes over to the cop and starts just losing his mind. The cop was losing their minds. Like, it was beautiful to see. And that just shows, I think, how much confidence and how he thinks that Liverpool is playing at a pretty peak performance right now. I'm with you there. I I just love the passion. Anytime a manager is passionate with his players, with his team, with goals, I just think it's really, really cool to see. Uh, Klopp's no exception to that. He's been so fun to watch. Loved watching him when he was at Dortmund. Loved watching him here. Um, but yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead, Jace. I just say he's something special. He, he really is. So, uh, with this in mind, uh, who do you have winning this uh, this weekend? And then I'm going to take my Liverpool. Have to take Liverpool, and I think since Chelsea has been struggling recently, I'm taking Liverpool with like a two nothing win. That's a bold statement. I'm going to say a two to one game with extra time. Okay, I could definitely see it. I just think Liverpool coming off of a six nothing win. I just don't think that they're going to. I think Chelsea is just going to be another stepping stone at this point. I think every they're just going to take this game in stride. Um, Chelsea, yes, winning their their. Uh, Champions League match this this week and the only team to win a Champions League match this week but I don't think that's going to matter to Liverpool I think they're going to stop on them I think the one thing that we do have to make note of though is that Chelsea did have an extra day off and they were home so there's no travel there's no travel delay nothing of that nature so days extra rest could really mean something it definitely could but I do think I, I don't know. I'm just very confident in, in this squad right now. Uh, I, I have full confidence, especially if we come out with a pretty strong uh, side, which I know since this is uh, the Carabao Cup, I know Klopp does not like to just go in and oh say, well, we used all of our younger players coming up to this, and now that we're in the final, I'm going to get put out my first team. I do think Klopp is going to toss some of those younger players out there. I think Curtis Jones is probably going to make an appearance, if not start. Uh, I think Minamino is definitely going to start. I think there's no question about that. Um, And probably Origi. We might see an Origi appearance because he has been playing a ton during the Carabao Cup. Most of these second squad guys getting a lot of time in uh, in this fixture. And Klopp does not... He said it earlier in the season. He said it actually, I think, uh, during the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup. He said, I'm sticking with the squad I have. I am not changing. Uh, I'm not going back to the first team as soon as we get a little bit further. I am sticking with the squad I have. So maybe Chelsea goes with the first team squad and makes it a little bit harder on Liverpool. Uh, but I don't even think that's going to stop Liverpool from just blowing by Chelsea this this season. or this uh, end. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Liverpool have one of the best you know, bench teams I've seen in a long time, you know, players like, like you said, with Minamino, um, also Harvey Elliott, I think is another uh, wild card just based on his coming back from his injury. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I completely agree. I feel like Liverpool will win just based on their squad depth and their squad strength as a whole. And I, I can't wait for a Sunday at Wembley. Yeah, it's going to be a very exciting game. I'll definitely be watching that one. All right, and now with everything that's going on with the Ukraine situation, UEFA has elected to move the Champions League final outside of St. Petersburg 
And right, that that's very, very interesting to me because where else is it going to go? Where would you, where do you want to see it go, Chase? You know, I definitely thought they were going to announce where it was going to go. <laughs> like after they said they were going to move it from St. Petersburg. Um, honestly, I don't know where I would love to see it, but I think it should go back to Italy. That's just based off of a whim. Uh, I really have no basis for that, but I would love to see it get back to Italy, uh, maybe in Rome or Turin or something of that sort. All right. And for everybody listening at home, um, in order to get the Champions League final to come to that to a stadium, it needs to be specifically a category four for UEFA in terms of stadiums that just relates to the field size. It relates to the seats, relates to the turnstiles to make sure everyone is safe to prevent another Hillsborough disaster like what Liverpool experienced in the FA Cup. So if Chase wants it to go to Italy, the three stadiums it can go to are the San Siro in Milan, uh, the Stadio Olimpico in Rome, and Turin. So any three of those, that would be really cool. I just would love to see it go to the Berlin's Olympic Stadium. that They hosted the tournament where um, Messi Suarez Neymar won in 2015. And that I just, it's such a cool stadium. It was built in the 30s. It's stood the test of time. It's just a beautiful stadium with that blue track. Yeah, it is a very beautiful stadium. Uh, I just love the Italy views. Uh, I love the Rome views. So if I had to choose one, I would definitely choose Rome. Yeah, I like that. And I don't know if you knew this, Chase, but if I'm not mistaken, I do believe that Anfield is a Category 4. Um, I don't believe yet. I you th- don't believe yet? Yes, because we actually have plans – uh, they're actually, I think, construction going on right now to add 60,000 seats into uh, Anfield at the moment. And I think that is when it turns into a Category 4. 60,000 seats? Holy shit. Where are they going to sit? Uh, they <laughs> they literally are tearing down one of the side walls because there is a complete wall that nobody can sit on. Um, and so I think they're tearing it down and they're putting a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of seats into that position. Jeez, that's crazy. I know Old Trafford is a Category 4, and I think it'd be really cool to host the uh, Champions League final there, but I doubt it'll happen. Yeah, we'll see about that one. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I think another really cool one would be the 98,000 people that get to watch it in Barcelona at the new Camp. That would be sweet. Uh, but just, I mean, before we move on from this this topic, I think that's, that's very admirable of UEFA. Uh, I think it's a very correct decision to move it from St. St. Petersburg with just everything that's happening. Uh, They were very quick with this decision. I mean, it is the day of the Ukraine invasions right now. Uh, So they're very quick with this decision. And I think everybody around the globe respects that. Yes, I I completely agree with you. Just it's bad. It's it's horrible to see like what's going on in that area. But UEFA was very quick with their decision. And I think a lot of people can applaud them for doing that. Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's move on and let's go into our game picks for the week. And first one let's talk about is Leeds versus Tottenham. Chase, what do you got? All right, so even though Tottenham get get the uh, the big old L from Burnley, uh, Liverpool definitely Leeds definitely took the bigger L. So I'm going Tottenham two nothing against Leeds because I just don't think Leeds have what it takes right now. I think they are down on themselves. And facing three big teams in a row, I don't think they can pull this one off. I, I completely agree with you there. I went with a Tottenham win 2-1, to one, uh, specifically because Tottenham just played with um, 
Eric Dyer and Davies at center backs in their three back system. You, you can't win with that. You really can't win with that. So I feel like Leeds are going to get a goal, maybe get a goal early and Tottenham are going to have to respond. But I still believe a Tottenham two to one win over Leeds. The next game is going to be Newcastle and Brentford. And I have a one zero win for Newcastle. Uh, I just feel like with Alan St. Maximan and Kieran Trippier, you know, reinvigorated the side when Trippier came back to England. And I just think it's going to be too much for Brentford. Yeah, I agree. I went three to one uh, in favor of Newcastle. And this is where my event extra point is going to come in. And I think a Trippier free kick is coming again this week. So if that does happen, I'm calling for my extra point. Love to see it. Love to see it. All right, next one is going to be United versus Watford. Chase, take it away. I have 2 nothing uh, United against Watford. Uh, Watford, they did win this week, but – or actually, no, they've lost. They lost 4 nothing or 4-1 to one to Crystal Palace, who has been struggling this year. So, I mean, Man United coming off of a win against Leeds and then a pretty good tie against Atletico. I mean, obviously not exactly what they want, but still a pretty good result away from home. Uh, a 2 nothing against Watford, I think, is pretty fair. Yeah, I, I think a 2-0 win is fair. I had a 3-1 to one win with my event being a Rashford brace. Okay. Interesting. I uh, I would love to see that happen. I, I'm a big Rashford guy, big Rashford fan. I know he's your favorite player, so, that, I mean, that fits very well. Uh, would definitely love to see that happen. Uh, but I don't know. I don't, I don't see Man, Man U scoring that many goals. We'll see. Hopefully Ronaldo can actually, you know, pass the fucking ball. We'll yeah, see about that one. Oh, my gosh. All right. Next one's going to be Everton versus City. What do you have for that one? You know, as much as I want to support Everton and as, as ballsy as I was last week with the Tottenham upset, uh, I went Man City three, Everton zero. Uh, I mean, Everton is just god awful this year. And I don't think this is going to be any different. Losing two nothing to Southampton last week. Like, Frank Lampard, make some changes, man. Do something. Uh, I don't think he is going to be able to handle Manchester City in the slightest. Uh, so I'm going zero Everton, three Man City. I went I went with a little bit of a bolder prediction. I went with a one-to-one draw. Ooh. All right. I, I mean, I would love to see it. I would love for Man City to drop those points. I just don't think Everton can pull that out. I just have I have a feeling that Everton are going to somehow get a goal early and just sit in and defend, concede a goal, but not concede again. Uh, Everton obviously been up and down and Frank Lampard's senior. A win is always followed by a loss, and they just lost this past week. So obviously they're up for some points this week. Uh, but yeah, I feel like City, they can drop points. Their defense did not look spectacular when they played against Spurs and they still have to look toward the champions league this upcoming week, even though they have a five zero lead on sporting, but it's a European tie nonetheless. And Everton at, it's at Goodison too. So that's not always um, free points. Yeah, true. And we have been talking about how Goodison has been bumping recently, but I don't know, man, I'm sticking with my three nil. I'm going to stick with my one to one and, yeah, that's pretty much all there is to that one. Uh, let's go with Southampton and Norwich. Uh, Southampton has been playing really well lately. Norwich, not so much. So I predicted a 1-0 to zero win for Southampton. Okay, I went pretty similar. Um, I do think Southampton is going to pull off the win, but I think it's going to be 2-1 to one because I think 
Josh Sargent has been playing very, very well. And they did cause some problems for Liverpool, even though Liverpool wins 3-1. to one, They did cause some issues. So I think Southampton is going to win. They've been playing very, very well recently. So I think they're still going to pull the win. But it's, it's going to cost them a goal. So I think it's going to be 2-1. to one. All right. That's a fair assumption. I just feel like James Ward-Prowse is going to really... Yeah, definitely. I mean, James Ward-Prowse is a very good player. Definitely could pull it out. Very, very good player. All right, let's move on to the lock picks. And my lock pick is going to be Brighton against Villa. Brighton winning 2-1. to one. Stevie G's side not doing too well as of late. And I feel like Brighton have been playing really well with Graham Potter and Neil Malpay up top. And I, I just think they're going to get it done. That's a very bold lock pick in my opinion. But um, I'm going to go Wolves. You're saying they're underrated. I don't think they're they're underrated enough. But I'm going West Ham 1, Wolves nil. So they defend very well, but West Ham's still struggling. But I think Jared Bowen, on, honestly, is going to score a late winner against Wolves, probably off of a set piece would be my guess. Yeah, that would be, that'd be really cool to see. And now for our upset pick, which I'm pretty sure we have the same one. But if you want to go ahead and give yours first. All right, so my upset pick, I'm actually going to choose Burnley. I'm going Burnley 2 and Crystal Palace nil. So I don't even know if this could be considered an upset right now just because of how well Burnley is playing. But in terms of standings, Burnley is definitely the underdog. So I'm taking a Burnley 2 nothing win. I think they're just going to keep this, this train rolling. What do you think? I completely agree with you there. I had a two to one win for Burnley over Crystal Palace. Um, I I know it'll, it's surprising to see you know, Nick Pope concede a goal, but I don't know. It's, anything can happen on any given day. It is at Turf Moor, I believe, and Turf Moor is the home of nasty weather. So. Really is, and that that weather was awful last weekend. So I wouldn't be surprised if some terrible weather would be uh, in store for this weekend. But Burnley just seems to love it, so <laughs> I think they're going to pull it out, and so do you. So I guess we're on the same page here. Yeah, but is Burnley really an upset pick anymore? We've talked. That's what I'm saying, man. They're they're good. <laughs> we have talked. <laughs> they're about good they. right now. We have talked about how good they are. All right, Chase. Let's see if you could do better than last week with our trivia game. All right, you ready for this? I promise anything. <laughs> All right. So obviously, last time out, you were an zero for five. Oof. Oh, for five. Come on, man. You need a, you need something better than a goose egg. All right. All right. Let's get, let's get something here. And to help you out, I did half Premier League trivia, half Champions League trivia. Beautiful. All right. So there has been an instance of Scorigami in 2012 and 2013. For those of you who don't know, Scorigami is when there is a very unique score that only happens once or is the first time that happens. And in this case, it has been a five to five tie. A 5-5 five to five tie. Who were those teams in 2012-2013 that tied 5-5? Five to five? I feel like I've watched this game a couple times just because uh, that's 10 goals in a game. You don't see 10 goals in a game. Not even uh, Germany versus Brazil? Man, what a game. <laughs> um, all right, so the two English teams, are both of them still in the league? Right now, one of them is not. One of them is not interesting. So, in 2012 2013, 
Is one of the teams Newcastle? For some reason, I'm thinking Newcastle. One of the teams is not Newcastle. Dang. Hmm. You know, I actually don't know this one, so I'm going to give out two random teams, and hopefully it uh, it works out for me. There you go. I'm going. We're going Blackburn, just because Blackburn is always in these these weird like facts about the Premier League. You always see the Blackburn Rovers popping up in random spots. So I'm going the Blackburn Rovers against I'm going Everton. It was Manchester United versus West Bromwich Albion. You know, I definitely was going to guess Manchester United. But I don't know. West Brom's really, I guess, yeah, West Brom's not in the Premier League right now. For some reason, I was definitely thinking they were. Were they in last year? I think they were in two years ago. Two years ago, okay. They've always been that, like, Division One and a half team. Yeah, they're always in and out of the Premier League, which sucks for them. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you know what team I would love to see them back? This well, is completely random, but I would love to see Sheffield make it back to the Premier League. Sheffield, Sheffield, play. Sheffield United or Sheffield Wednesday? Sheffield United. Yeah, that'd be a good that'd be a good team. I would love to see Derby County back as well. I would also love to see Derby County. <laughs> that'd be sweet. Yes, but uh, let's go. Going back to that trivia question, that was a very that's that's a game that's very near and dear to my heart because that was actually Sir Alex Ferguson's last managerial game for Manchester United. That is crazy. Could you imagine going out on a five to five game? Yeah, but think about it though. That was his fifteen hundredth game. In the Premier League, that was, I think it was the 1500th. I could be completely wrong. Um, but they took a 5-2 to two lead and gave it up to some kid. I don't know if you ever heard of this kid. Uh, he's a Belgian striker by the name of Romelu Lukaku. Interesting. Scored three goals in the second half to, to, to tie Manchester United. How many clubs has here's a trivia question. <laughs> How many clubs has Ron Lukaku been at? Holy cow, he's just moved around all his life, it feels like. He really has. I think he started out his career at West Brom, went to Chelsea, loaned to Everton, buy to Everton, then Man U, all this other mumbo jumbo. But yeah, that's a that was the scoregami game. That was the first five to five tie in Premier League history, and it's been the last one in Premier League history to this point. Wow. Very impressive. Yes. Now, who was the most subbed player in Premier League history? Subbed out? Like he started the game and then was subbed out? Started the game and then subbed out. Oh, man. See, if it was going to be the opposite, if it was going to be a player that was subbed in, honestly, I was going to say James Milner. (laughs) And I still might say James Milner. The Swiss Army knife. (laughs) Yeah. He is always just subbed into random games. I mean, even when he was at Man City, he was subbed in. Um, but being subbed out is very different than being subbed in. All right, can I get the team? Manchester United. Wow, I'm not surprised by that in the slightest. <laughs> it's definitely not Paul Scholes just because, I mean, he was a, he was a genius. He stayed on the field all the time. Yes, he was. I'm going to go Ryan Giggs just because he played a lot of games. and Or no, I'm going to go Ole. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yep. That's your final answer. Final answer. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, he had the answer right and then changed it to the wrong. No way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got to be joking. It was Ryan Giggs. Ryan Giggs with 137 subs off. You know, I was thinking, yeah, Ryan Giggs was a really good player, but 
there's no way they subbed him off that much. Man, <laughs> that really sucks. <laughs> I was thinking Ole was – he was a really good player back in the day, but he wasn't something that was, like, outstanding. Like, Ryan Giggs is somebody that you look back and you think, wow, that player was very, very special. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's very surprising, but I'm a little proud of myself for thinking of it a little bit. And I'll see if you can actually, you know, get it right this time. Yeah, we'll see about that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, in 1966-67, to 67, the first oh. team from the United Kingdom won the Champions League. This is all Champions League trivia now. All right. Who was that team from the UK to win the first one? Isn't this the Blackburn Rovers? It is not the Blackburn Rovers. All right, all right, all right. Man, they've won the Champions League, though. No, they've won the Premier League. They won won the Premier League. Villa and Forest won the Champions League. How crazy is that? (laughs) How crazy crazy is Villa? It is Villa, isn't it? Villa. It is not Villa. It is not Villa. Villa did not, was not the first UK team to win. All right, then it had to be your team. It's Manchester United. It is not Manchester United either. You get one more guess. I'll give you one more that. guess. All right, let's think about this. Now we have to now we have to play a little uh I guess uh knocking out teams. So let's think about. It. Hmm. So it's not Villa, it's not can't be Forest. Forest is not there's no way that they won it the first time. Mm-hmm. I'm very surprised that it's not Man U just because they were good ben- back in the 60s. So I'm, very I'm not mistaken. They won it like the following year. I was going to say, Man U was a, was a pretty good team back in the 60s. So I'm definitely a little surprised that it's not them. Hmm. No, I'm going to go with. No, you know, I'm going with Forrest. We're going Forrest. It is not Forrest. Oh. It is. Celtic in 66-67. They were considered a – oh, I guess they're an English team, duh. Yep. From the I was United thinking it have to be Premier League, and you said Celtic, and I was like, they're not even Premier League. What are you talking about? I said like, United Kingdom, you hope. Yeah, United Kingdom team. Mm-hmm. You have to say United Kingdom because they're not an English team. They're a United Correct. Kingdom team. Yes. Man, that's some, that's some like English PSAT type question right there. <laughs> Good thing we're not in England, otherwise you get all these wrong. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> all right. So in the Champions League, there has been one player to appear in a Champions League final in three different decades. Who is that player? Oh, and I should know this. You should. You it's absolutely should. Final. So what? That's the the nineties. The two th- no, what is it? The 2000s, the 2010s, and the 2020s, correct? It is not those Ooh. days. So it's the 90s, the 2000s, and the 2010s. That is correct. Yes, that's the decade. You don't get you don't get any points for that. I'm just well, I was I just had to make sure. Just had to make sure. I'm going Cristiano Ronaldo. You're going Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm, let me think for two seconds. No, because he didn't start in the 90s, did he? He did not start in the 90s. That is correct. He, when he came to Manchester United, it was 2001, wasn't it? I think it was 2003 or four, but yes, yeah. early 2000s. Pretty early 2000s, so he definitely wasn't making the Champions League before that. Nope. Hmm. No reason I shouldn't know this, and I can't think No reason. Oh, it was a Maldini. It was not Maldini, but that is a really good guess. I, I was going to say, I feel like I had that one in the bag with the Maldini guess. <laughs> Hmm. All right, give me the team. 
Manchester United. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Uh, is, it, is it Ryan Giggs once again? It is Ryan Giggs. He Let's got go. One right. Let's go. It took nine <laughs> questions, ladies and gentlemen. It took nine questions, but he finally got one right. That's a rough question right there because Ryan Giggs was the answer before. And to make another question, Ryan Giggs, that's some tricky stuff right there. I looked up questions specifically for the Champions League before I looked up the Premier League ones. <laughs> so I thought, well, I was I don't he will be confused and not get it. But no, I was proven wrong. I almost had both of the Ryan Giggs questions. <laughs> you should have had both of the Ryan Giggs questions. That's very true. All right. The last one is going to be it's just all you have to do is just guess a number. Just guess a number. This is it. All right. Real Madrid hold the record for consecutive seasons in the Champions League to reach the knockout stages. Ooh, I actually, it's, this is years, right? Yes, this is consecutive years in which they've reached the knockout stages. What, how many, how many consecutive years? 16, isn't it? It is not 16. It's in the teens, though. It is not in the teens. Ooh. All right, then we're going with like 23. 23 final answer? Final answer. It is 25. That's still, that's very impressive. That's crazy. 25 years. The last time they didn't qualify was 1996, 97, I believe. Math adds up. They're they're still on that streak right now. I believe it was last season where we were were, um, talking crap to our La Liga correspondent, Zach O'Connor, who (laughs) is a hoe, by the way, for canceling on us. Yeah, not a... Not showing up. First off, giving us five wrong games to predict. So if he gave us the Leeds and Liverpool game to predict, and oh. if he would have given that one, I think I would have predicted Liverpool six and Leeds nothing. Uh, but <laughs> is whatever. Uh, Twenty-five years. That's a quarter of a century, man. That they've made to the knockout stages. That's ridiculous. Their teams have just been ridiculously good to the point where they could just smack everybody and whoever they come across in the. Uh in the group stage of the Champions League because of the uh, geography involved. Yeah, what a run, though. That is... That's still hard to do. That's still hard to do. Very. Like, listen, Manchester United, for close to 26 years of Sir Alex Ferguson's reign outside of the 80s, 1986, um, outside of, like, those first three or four years, man, you didn't finish outside the top three. Wow. That's also pretty good. Yeah. But, you know, with David Moyes coming in, that changed fucking everything. Yeah, it'd be like that, man. <laughs> it do be like that. It do be like that. So, yeah, that's that's the conclusion of trivia. And, Chase, is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, I don't think so. Just looking forward to all this soccer this weekend. A lot of good games, especially that Chelsea-Liverpool game on Sunday. Really looking forward to some League Cups. And hopefully Liverpool can get another trophy into their trophy cabinet and – can put three more in there this season. They could. I, I don't think they can get the Champions League just because it's so congested with the schedule. And if they wanted, they're probably going to have to sacrifice one in terms of the uh, the Premier League and the Champions League. They may, but with this squad depth, you never know. You do never know. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Oh, what'd you say? Said looking forward to it. Yeah, I can't wait for it. All right, guys, make sure to tune in back again on Tuesday. Maybe this time Zach O'Connor will actually show up. (laughs) That freaking guy. All right, guys, we'll see you all next time. Have a great night.